This is a recording from the Sunday, January 31, 2016 meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca. All right, I think that's it. Our speaker today is Cherise Louie, and she's from the Canadian Blood Services. And we're going to be sponsoring a blood collection day, so Cherise is going to talk about blood donation. But she's also going to talk a little about about, about stem cell research and other blood-related issues, which I think we'll find interesting. So thank you, Cherise. Thank you, Joanne. Wait, oh, hey, great, can you hear me? I feel as if this microphone's right against my face, so um, let me know if you can't hear me, people in the back. Um, Thank you again for having me here today. I want to particularly thank Sonia and Ulrich for uh, having me join and inviting me to speak. I'm very excited about this and you know, I'm ready to answer all your questions at the very end. But before I start, I just want to see a show of hands. Who here has donated blood before? Holy moly. That's amazing. Okay, great. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes holy moly. <laughs> holy moly. <laughs> or, just, or just moly. Just moly. Guacamole. We're good without God. Guacamole. There we go. Guacamole. Um, <laughs> guacamole. This is, this is absolutely amazing to see because I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I go to universities or high schools and I you know, talk about blood donation, people just look at me with like the blank face. They don't really understand, you know, they don't understand the concept and the altruistic fact about blood donation and how when you donate blood you're actually you're you're literally giving your lifeblood to another person being able to save their life and have an impact on that I mean um I heard that last week you were you had a uh, a little you had another presentation about um, fundraising and like where the allocation of your the fundraising dollars and where they go you know sometimes you get like 30% of the money that you donate actually goes to programs and the rest go to administration etc cetera, etc cetera. well with blood donation and with Canadian blood services essentially a hundred percent goes to the patient so uh, I think that's a pretty good number right there if I can say so myself <laughs> um, and you know it's, it's fabulous everyone always talks about you know okay like back in the day we used to have the same thing when you donate blood uh, you, you hear how it's um, donate blood, one, one donation can save up to three lives. You remember that? Um, well, that was because when your blood was donated, it would be divided into plasma, uh, platelets, and red blood cells. We've kind of changed that now. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that later in terms of the impact of your donation. Um, but really, because like when you donate blood, one, one, um, one unit can technically, can technically go to the, uh, one person. Uh, so Sonia has taken it upon herself, and I'd love to support her in this, in organizing a blood drive. Um, uh, BCHA is going to be adopting a clinic um, of the blood donor clinic on Saturday, February the 14th. So if you're... Oh, 13th. Getting there slowly. I have Valentine's Day on the morning, that's why. <laughs> um, encouraging everyone to come out if you can donate. Um, if not, feel free to come as support or... You know, hold the hands of someone else, or in uh, the other words, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, bring a date to donate. Because nothing's more more romantic than sitting on a blood on a on a on a blood donor bed with your partner and giving blood at the same time. How great is that? Where where is this? Right. Sorry about that. So the location is going to be uh, at the Oak Street Blood Donor Clinic um, on 32nd and Oak. 
So it's right beside Children's Hospital. There's free parking, just to say, just to enforce that. There's free parking, um, and it takes about an hour to donate blood. I'll talk about. I'll talk a little bit later about um, how we're going to do donating. Uh, we have a sign-up sheet at the front. First appointment starts at 11:15. Last appointment is at 11:55. So if you're, we got a couple spots available. So if you're interested, come and sign up, or just uh, bring someone else who can donate. Right, so then you're going to have to have an appointment with Sonia, but if you can't make it on that day, or um, an appointment on that on that sheet, but if you can't make it on that day, um, feel free to make it, make it your own individual appointment on any other day, um, or or you can walk in. People have, you know, I know in the past, especially the Red Cross, you have been able to walk in, you just show up and you just kind of get in. Um, Canadian Blood Services now, we're trying to, we're moving towards, remember, we are, we have an appointment template system. So when you uh, book your appointment, you know, you're more or less guaranteed, well, not more or less, you are going to be donating on that day, and that way we can expect you, kind of like when you book a doctor's appointment, uh, rather than a walk-in clinic, because we want to be respectful of your time too. So a little bit more about what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to start off talking about blood donate. Uh, what we are as Canadian Blood Services as an organization, and then I'm going to talk about blood donation, how to donate, eligibility requirements, and all little fun stuff that goes with that. After that, I'm going to move on to uh, talking about stem cell donation. Not quite stem cell research, but stem cell donations, bone marrow donation. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of conversations about that right now, especially when you hear about patients who are looking for a match. Okay, so who we are, Canadian Blood Services. Everyone tells us the Red Cross. I still get high school students calling us the Red Cross. And I was like, where are you? You weren't even born at that time. How do you even know about that? Um, so we, Canadian Blood Services started, uh, was started by the Canadian government in about 1998 as a result from the uh, Creever, why is this, why is this, Escaping my mind right now. The scandal. The yes, there was a huge blood transfusion scandal that happened. Um, thousands of Canadians received tainted, um, tainted blood products, and as a result, they ended up um, being infected with transmissible diseases: Hep B, Hep C, HIV, diseases that they never had when they went into um, into surgery. You know, or even you know mothers who just got. Um, mothers who were giving birth and they needed blood products suddenly had heavy. It's it's so it's still so fresh, and that's why Canadian Blood Services has such a strict eligibility requirement because we don't want to go back to that. I'm going to talk about that later, anyways. I feel like I'm just getting ahead of myself. Um, we also so on top of blood donation, we have about four other pillars that we are, are uh, taking care of. Blood donation. Second one is the One Match Stem Cell and Bone Marrow Registry. The third one is now the National Public Cord Blood Bank, which I'm going to be talking about later. It's very, it's a new initiative. It's very exciting. Um, and organ and tissue donation. That's a, that's a huge thing. We also work, we work very closely with Health Canada to make sure that um, all patients who are receiving blood products receive the best and safest um, blood possible. And we also, do, we also do a lot in research as well. Um, we have a huge research facility out at UBC, and uh, as well as a, res a research donation clinic that you can donate to research, which is, which is what I do. It's very exciting. Okie dokie, blood donation, the 101. Um, so, what I'm, so there's a couple steps when it goes to blood donation. It starts off with recruitment, which is what I'm here to do. I'm here to educate you. 
put it in your mind to think about blood donation. Um, a lot of people, you know, they don't, you know, as I'm pretty sure with a lot of you, you've donated blood in the past, it just kind of fell off your schedule, or you are a dedicated blood donor, you do it every 56 days. Um, but the huge thing is, is that a lot of our donors are aging out. They're getting a little bit, you know, older. They're starting to need the blood, our blood products. So I call it uh, karma. I don't know what you would call it here. <laughs> but, uh, um, tit for tat. Tit for tat, exactly. I donate blood now. Maybe I'll receive. Maybe I'll need to receive blood in the future. It's all. It's all in the circle of life. Um, but we are needing new blood donors. We are finding that, uh, especially in the younger generation, not a lot of people know about blood donation. They don't know how easy it is and the impact that it can have in saving someone's life. They know about it. They're like, yeah, okay. But I have a lot of people asking me, like, oh, so um, a lot of a lot of misconceptions going on there about blood donation. Just like, oh, like you just take all of my blood. I'm like, no, I would like to, but technically no. Um, it's about 500 milliliters of blood that you give when you donate. So it's about um, a water bottle or so. Anyway, so there's recruitment there. Um, the actual donation part, I'm going to talk about how to donate later. It's only one hour it takes to donate blood to save a life. Um, you know, when I say one hour, it only takes about 10 to, 5 to 15 minutes to actually donate blood. They're just like, so I sit there for an entire hour, I'm like, no, yes. Are, are there restrictions on whether or not you can give blood? For example, I'm on blood thinners. Can yes. I give blood? Unfortunately, not for blood thinners. Um, a lot of medication that you would take, including aspirin as well, um, makes you ineligible to donate. So believe it or not, only 50% of Canadians are eligible to donate. That's about like you know half the people in this room, but only 4% of Canadians donate, which is... Nothing. <laughs> Not a lot of people donate blood in Canada. And in Vancouver, in metropolitan areas like Vancouver and Toronto, um, only 2% of, of Vancouverites and 2% of Torontonians actually donate blood. Um, you know, everyone tells me the same thing. I'm really busy, you know, working 8 to 8, you know, don't have time to donate. I'm like, no worries, I totally understand that. But if only 50, if even more, if even double that people donated blood, we would have enough um, blood in our inventory to help, to continuously help uh, patients, and so we wouldn't have to prolong surgeries, et cetera. Um, from after donation, so when you donate blood at Oak Street on February the 13th, <laughs> um, it's quite exciting to, to donate at Oak Street because it's essentially the center for the BC Yukon region. Um, Oak Street collects about over 400 <laughs> units of blood every week, and as a result, we are actually, uh, so. The, when you go to the clinic, it's on the first floor, but on the second floor is actually our entire production and distribution, um, our entire production and distribution facility is on the second floor. So it's quite exciting because all the blood that's collected in BC, Victoria, Kelowna, Kamloops, all get, uh, I want to say shit, <laughs> driven, <laughs> driven back to Oak Street. Um, taken to the second floor, taken through production distribution, and redistributed out. So when you donate blood at Oak Street, it literally gets on a trolley and just goes upstairs. I don't know. To me, that's 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 amazing. Like you're part you're part of that hub. Um, so it's testing. Everyone's like, oh, like do you t you test the blood? Yes, we do test the blood. We test it for HIV, Hep B, Hep C, syphilis. Um, West Nile virus, there's about 14 different tests that we do uh, that we do to make sure that the blood is safe. It's all done in a testing facility at in, at, in Edmonton. So when you donate blood, you probably notice that they take a couple of vials 
five milliliter small vials from you before you actually go into, uh, no, before the, the real donation happens. A um, couple of those vials are taken to our production lab uh, for testing, but the rest are, are shipped off to Edmonton within 12 to 24 hours to really, you know, to, to, to really make sure that the blood that you have is safe or that you donate is safe. Production. So as I mentioned earlier, we divide the blood into three different products, platelets, plasma, red blood cells. White blood cells, we just filter that through, we throw that away, because really we don't want the white, we don't want the white blood cells. Um, and uh, labeling and distribution, so from there it goes, you know, it goes uh, after production, goes to labeling distribution, goes out the door to hospitals like BC Children's, uh, Royal Columbian, Vancouver General Hospital. So Blood has an expiry date. I don't know why I get this number mixed up all the time. I believe it was 42 days. It's either 46 or 42 days. Um, <coughs> but, you know, just like milk, I can't believe I'm equating blood to milk. Uh, it's about a five, you know, five days is, is like five to seven days is, a per is approximately how fast or how, like the day that you donate to the day that it gets used by a patient, that's about how long it takes. Um, it's it's amazing. We, it goes out of our it goes out of our um, distribution in about two in about two to three days, and then it goes to a hospital patient in the next couple of days. Um, children in particular, I love I love being beside Children's Hospital. It's just such a connection to it. Children in particular need the freshest blood. It sounds kind of gross, but the fact is that you know like when you so when you donate blood, you know it goes right upstairs to. Um, to production distribution it goes right out the door next door to uh, to Children's Hospital. Blood bank, the transfusion process. So I'll talk later about how many units of blood it takes to help a car accident victim, help a leukemia patient. But um, so the transfusion process is obviously very important. And you get a happy child like this one over here. All right. So as I mentioned before, um, your blood is composed of four four main four main uh, components. So as I mentioned, uh, we are constantly needing new donors. Uh, people either age out, they're ineligible to donate, they travel to Mexico and sit in the sun and they come back and they find out that they're not able to donate, very disappointed. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, five days after you donate is shipped to hospitals and you can donate every 56 days, so it's about every two months. Um, for ladies, I usually recommend, especially because we you know, usually have little lower um, iron levels, maybe three months if you can do it. Um, I definitely understand you know, for whatever reason, if you can't donate blood, I just, I just, uh, I just tell people to, to get someone else to donate if they are in, unable to donate. Okay, I thought this would be really interesting to this, to this group. These are all the statistics. Um, I love numbers. So, for you blood donors out there or non-blood donors, pretty sure you might have an idea or you might know what your blood type is. Um, I'm A positive myself. I like to joke that it's my report card when I was in high school, but you know, what do you, what do you know? Um, so for O, for O, O, O positive and A positive are the most common blood types in Canada. O positive is at 39% of Canadians, A positive is 36% of Canadians. Um, but the scary, I don't want to say scary thing, but the interesting thing is that O negative right now is in demand. Um, it's about seven, and O negative, the O negative population is about 7% of Canadians. Not a lot, considering that, especially in um, emergencies and cars, you know, like real, real emergencies, O negative blood um, is is what's is, is what it's used. Especially if they don't have time to uh, type the person. Um, 
B positive is next at 7.5%, and I don't know why it says group B, but AB um, is the next at 2.5%. Uh, AB positive is actually a universal recipient, so if you're AB positive, you're quite lucky, I guess, in that case. You can take any blood, um, any blood type. Um, and at O, and a little interesting fact about O positive type blood, you can technically donate blood to anybody who's positive type. So I could receive O positive blood because I'm A positive. All right, so I'm just going to right up here. Um, this is quite interesting. So everyone likes to say, like, oh, like, how do you know, how do you know who you can donate to or who you can't donate to? So on our, on our blood, we have, so basically when people think about A, B, or, um, so there's three different antibodies in our blood. There's three different antibodies in our blood. Um, main, main antibodies, of course, there's a lot more out there. Um, a, B, and the rhesus factor, which is what makes it positive or negative. Um, the rhesus factor is the third antibody. And so what makes O negative so special, I guess in that case, is because it's free of all those antibodies. It doesn't have A, no B, and it's negative for the rhesus factor. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Great. So as you can probably see, O negative can donate blood to everybody. Which is so. If you're O negative, you are. My eyes will light up. Yes. You're O negative. Ooh. Shouldn't have told me that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> yes. Are there ethnic associations for these blood, blood types? types? Yes. Okay. This is quite. Um, I went to Churchill Secondary the other day, the one just down over here, primarily Chinese population, not going to lie, uh, and it's interesting, so all the kids that I typed, all positive type. So um, I've heard stories about how in China, um, it's almost like 99 point, some ridiculously high percentage is positive type blood, and I think there was some probably Caucasian girl out there, uh, she needed O-negative type blood. They actually had to fly in O-negative because, because they didn't have any available for her, or that matched. Um, another interesting, so, yeah. Yeah, so you most likely wouldn't find someone who's Asian or East Asian to have uh, negative type blood. So also where the O-negative actually comes from is usually Usually around like northern, uh, like northern Europe, like Scandinavia, um, those are predominant. You know, I would say predominantly, but they do have a lot of O negative or A negative, B negative population from there. Yes, yeah, it's quite, that, that was quite interesting when I heard that. I was like, wow. Um, and another thing too is like, let's say it's South Asian or Asian. Uh, there are of course like just little different antibodies that, that are, I won't say antibodies, maybe antigens that are in your blood um, that you can only receive from other, from people that have that same antigen as well. So it's not just a matter of like those three, A positive, B positive, or A, B, O, or rhesus factor, it, there's other little factors in there that relate to your ethnicity. Did I kind of answer that question? Yeah. Okay. Um, so as I mentioned before, how many units are required to save a life? And, I remember when I first started saying units, people were a little bit uncomfortable with that. But what, the way I see it is that, you know, when you donate blood, you donate one unit, um, it's one donation. But it's, it's it's one unit that will save someone's life. Um, car crash, a car crash victim needs up to 50 people to donate blood. 50 donors, 50 units. That's there's about what 30 people here in this room. Everyone would have to donate blood to save someone's life. 
leukemia, if you're going through cancer treatment or um, leukemia, or yeah, treatment for leukemia or aplastic you constantly need blood. Anyone with thalassemia, they need you know two units of blood every single month or red blood cells every single month. And I hear from some people, they're just like, wow, like I do feel a lot better after I receive um, my transfusion. Okay, eligibility, this is where it gets fun. Yes, as I mentioned before, medication uh, does have a factor. Um, you can check it out, so if, you, if you're interested, so before, before you go in to donate blood, especially if you're a new donor, I would really recommend that you go online and check it out, just kind of do the quick quiz um, to make sure, you know, just to double check that you are able to donate. It sucks when you show up and you, you can't donate and you feel like, oh, like it's all about me. They rejected me. No, <laughs> right? It's, too, it's super common. He's like, oh, you don't want my blood. It's tainted. I hear that all the time. It's dirty blood. I'm like, well, that's not quite it. You know, it's just that as I'm, it's just that with Canadian blood services, you know, relating to the, uh, our history of transfused diseases, we want to make sure that patients are receiving the safest blood as you know safest blood possible. So it's not so much as rejecting you. We're just you know we, we just want to really make sure that keeping the patient on top of mind. Um, I believe I have a slide later here going over eligibility requirements. Um, so I'll get to that. So we'll talk about the donation. Pro I didn't plan it very well. Um, we're going to talk about the donation process right now. So hi. So, I have a question about the health of this. Oh, yes. Is that reviewed by um, a health professional after it's made? Or is it an immediate response to your question? Oh, you, oh, oh no, oh, no, no. Uh, it's just an immediate response. It's like a, I wouldn't say a survey. It's like you click yes, it tells you, you know, okay, whether you can donate. Um, they'll ask you, like, oh, like, are you a pregnant, are, are you a pregnant woman? Are you breastfeeding in the last six months? You say yes, and then it'll be like, oh, sorry, you can't donate. So it just kind of um, makes people a little conscious about about their eligibility. Um, I have sent people lists before, and they'll be like, yeah, 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 but they won't exactly read it. <laughs> so it's like preliminary screening. Yes. So when you go in to donate, you do fill out a long um, record of donation, donation form about your uh, personal physical history, um, but that that is all confidential. That is reviewed with you by an, uh, a nurse, an RN. Da, 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 da. So when you show up to the clinic, bring your ID. I don't have to preach that. Sometimes I have to like put it in the high schooler's head that nobody brings a wallet, of course. Uh, bring your ID, driver's license is fine, um, BC ID is fine. There's a pamphlet that you will have to read that says what you must know to donate blood. And you're like, okay, fine, I'll read about that. Uh, step two for screening, uh, we do test your hemoglobin levels. We don't test your, it's not exactly your, it's not exactly your iron levels. Um, hemoglobin can be related to your ferritin levels. So let's say if you think that you're, if you think or you know that you're anemic, um, I wouldn't suggest that you donate. I do have some ladies though that do take iron pills because they believe so strongly in it. So the donor questionnaire, like I mentioned, is that long donor questionnaire form. They'll ask you questions like, "Have you touched monkeys in the last? Have you interacted with monkeys in the last year?" And I was just, like, oh, just my husband. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> 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 I know. I was like, "Well, like, they actually have that question there. Okay, well, let me just think about that." Um, they ask you things like, "Have you traveled anywhere in the last year?" Uh, and 
gosh, it's been a while since I've taken a look at that. Um, you know, how are you feeling today? So if you are slightly feeling just a little bit of a cold coming on, a little bit of that flu is still still there, I wouldn't suggest that you come in, wait until later. Um, so yeah, fill out the donor questionnaire, um, and then you're eventually gonna get a, not eventually, after that you're gonna get a private screening with the nurse. So that is where you could bring out the dirty laundry to really double check to see whether or not you're able to donate. Um, this is 100% confidential. Um, our nurses are trained. They And if they do have questions or they're not feeling confident as to whether or not you can donate, um, it, might be it might be elevated to one of our uh, medical team in uh, QA quality assurance. But you might not be able to donate at that time, just a heads up. But that doesn't usually happen. How about age? Age, ooh, age. So it just got changed September 28th. It used to be that if you were a new donor over 61, you wouldn't be able to donate. Now it's like, just come on in. <laughs> we'll take you all. Because what ends up happening is that I, we found that um, older, over 61 donors, sometimes just as healthy, built like a horse, I don't know what you guys eat, um, you know, able to donate. They, they are perfectly fine, they have a doctor's note. Um, now you don't need a doctor's note to donate if you're over 61. Um, but of course, you know, we still recommend that you talk, still have that conversation with your doctor just in case. Uh, so yeah, a lot of our a lot of our experienced donors, 7,500 donations in their lifetime, 150 donations, they are donating until they're like 70, 71, which is absolutely amazing. So it's basically as long as you're able and feeling healthy enough to donate, you can with that conversation with your doctor. Uh, <laughs> let me stress that. So the donation uh, pro, uh, the do donation period. So when you're sitting on the bed, it takes about five to 15 minutes to donate. I can't stress enough how important it is to hydrate well before you come in. Um, it makes such a big difference. I'm 110 pounds. I would donate the same amount as as Ian, so sorry, as Ian over here. Just uh, more you. <laughs> <laughs> my leg. It's like, well, even that or like a big guy who's like six feet tall, um, who's like 200 pounds. I would donate the same amount as he would. Um, 500, 500 milli 450 to 500 milliliters approximately. So that impact on me is, is a little bit longer, which is why personally I donate about one to two times a year. I'm good with that. My body's like, yeah, we're okay, we're okay. Um, it's, so which is why when especially new donors come in, drink lots of water the night before I wouldn't say go on that weekend vendor, um, and eat something before coming and have a breakfast. Uh, safe to donate, all of our needles are brand new, um, and we, you have trained phlebotomists uh, doing the venipuncture. So the, R, uh, the RNs, the nurses, are the ones that do the interview with you, the private screening, and the phlebotomists are the ones that would uh, do the blood drawing. Okay. Everyone's like, oh, the volunteers. I'm like. They're, they're paid staff. Um, so then right after that, you rest for about five minutes to kind of, you know, assess how you're feeling. You kind of, you know, you want to keep signing. Make sure that if you're, if you're feeling even like a little bit faint that you say something. I know some people that will just hold it in and they'll just hope to ride it out. But nope, just say something right away because it makes it so much easier. Um, you rest there for about five minutes and then get your juice and cookies. This is the whole reason why people donate blood, is for the juice and cookies. We used to have peach juice, and I still get complaints of why I don't have the peach juice, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, but 
how people came in for the peach juice. Uh, but we have lovely volunteers in our clinic, especially the Oak Street Clinic. Some of those ladies have been there for 30 years. Um, they have their sons and daughters volunteering with us, and um, I think even a couple grandchildren. Hey, we have uh, Oasis is our main supplier for the juice. But if you can't drink the juice, we have tea, hot water, um, tea, coffee, water as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, definitely water. Um, and for the cookies, pink greens, uh, Oreos. I like the pink greens, Oreos. Um, but a big question about the cookies, though. I don't know about kosher. Not that not, not that it matters to this, to this group, but we do have a lot of Jewish synagogues around here. Um, but we do have gluten free, a lot of sesame snaps. So if you want those, you definitely feel free to have those. We also have bits and bites to do them. I can go through the list. <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> so you don't have to have our juice and cookies, but you can just just sit there, relax for about five minutes, ten minutes, just assess how you're feeling. Our volunteers will you know be there to make sure the case. We want to make sure in case you have a rebleed or in case you're not feeling so great, we just want to be there to monitor you. All right, here we go. Eligibility requirements. Um, you have to be over 110 pounds to donate, uh, and. I don't know why I have ladies, 70, 23. Bring photo ID. And like I mentioned before, hydrate and drink lots of water. Because I talk to so many people, like, yeah, you, it's like, yeah, I should have followed what you said. I'm like, of course you should have. So if you've traveled anywhere, us Vancouver writes, we love traveling. We love going to Mexico, China, India, all those exotic places. Those might be at risk for malaria right now. Um, is it, wasn't it Zika? The Zika virus? Yeah, so we just came out yesterday. Um, from our research center that we will be doing a temporary deferral for people who have traveled to those Zika countries. Just, you know, we don't want, yeah, we don't want to introduce that to our blood products. And the same thing when we had that measles outbreak um, in Chilliwack two years ago or so, we actually had to close down blood donor clinics because we were concerned about the impact on our, on our blood system. Um, new tattoos and piercings wait six months before you donate. Uh, everyone thinks it's a year. No, it's been changed to six months. And if you're sick with the cold or the flu, um, or even just remotely getting over it, I wouldn't suggest it. If your throat's a little scratchy, don't even go there. Um, and as I mentioned, age, um, so even if you're 61 or older, it's totally fine. You have to be minimum 17 years old. So on your 17th birthday, you can come in to donate. Alrighty, so now what? Um, so as I mentioned, check your eligibility, eligibility um, to make sure you can donate. If you have any questions, medication, um, diabetes, I can name a few. Uh, call, our, what, call our hotline, it's a 24-hour hotline. I call it sometimes when I'm confused or when I don't know the answer. Um, when triple eight to donate, you can talk to a nurse 24-7 um, and just be like, just wanted to double check before I come in and so I don't waste my time. Uh, you can book an appointment. We have clinics all over the lower mainland, but I have a feeling that Oak Street is gonna be their main hub. Um, we also have a clinic in downtown Vancouver. No one knows about that. That is our little downtown gym. Um, open Mondays to Wednesdays, eight to two. But Oak Street in particular is open six days a week. We're open all the time. It's so convenient to come and donate at Oak Street. So if you can donate in the evening or in the morning, it's, it's great. Um, you can go on blood.ca to book an appointment, or some people like to call the hotline, totally fine. Um, but we also have a new Give Blood app for those technologically minded people. Um, it's great, you can find out uh, open appointments and you just kind of book yourself in there. Okay, 
So, as done for the blood donation side, I'm going to start talking about one match, which is our international, it's our Canadian stem cell and bone marrow um, registry. So, I'm going to go back. So, what one match is is if there's any patients out there that has leukemia, aplastic anemia, um, myeloma, they need new stem cells. They need a bone marrow transplant. They need that to save their life. It's an absolute, it's their last option. Um, chemotherapy isn't working. Radiation isn't working. This is going to be this is going to be the one move that will save their life. So you probably heard about siblings donating their bone marrow to other you know to their siblings. Um, like their sibling was a match for them, so they donated. That's about twenty five percent of um, the population or the, of patients that are a match for their sibling. That means seventy five percent of patients need to find a match for an unrelated donor which is where OneMatch comes in. Um, we have about 350,000 people on our registry, um, but we're trying to increase that, obviously, to meet the ethnic um, diversity of what Canada is. I'll talk about that later, too. And so the interesting thing is that for, in terms of the, I believe there's about 3 million people on the international registry, and every day there's 1,000 Canadians out there that are looking for a stem cell match. 1,000 people that don't, that are relying on a unrelated donor or a related donor to step up, donate their stem cells or bone marrow to save their life. Has anyone heard about Nancy Taylor? Who, um, she's Dutch Indonesian and she has leukemia, no? Um, there was a, yeah, kind of, yeah, in North Vancouver. So there was recently a, um, recently, in early January, Nancy Taylor was diagnosed well, in November, she was diagnosed with leukemia. She's Dutch Indonesian, so she's looking for another, um, so she would most likely be a match for from someone else who was also Dutch Indonesian, and she was asking them to donate their stem cells if they were a match to her. So the so what we do, what I do actually, I go to um, universities, high schools, community groups, um, organizations to register people to be stem cell donors. All it takes is a quick cheek swab, um, you have a Q-tip, you can swab the inside of your cheek, and then you could be on the registry um, in, in case there's someone out there like Nancy that you were a match for. So what we're looking, I don't know why I have this here. Okay, so there's two ways to donate your stem cells. Everyone always thinks about like, oh, it's super painful, I'm gonna talk, no, it's, it's not too bad, I'll talk about that later. This is the most common way. 80% of procedures are done this way. Uh, it's called peripheral blood stem cell donation, and it's just like blood donation. Have you ever seen the platelet clinic at Oak Street? It's very similar to that. Blood comes out of one arm, divides into stem cells and blood, and blood goes back through the other arm. So it's like that for about two or so hours. 80% of procedures are done this way for most patients. Um, you are given a drug called GCSF that brings the, uh, the stem cells up from your bone marrow into your bloodstream so it's easier to come out. Um, those are just some of the, that's just one of the risks that are involved, and obviously, risk of infection from the side of the needle. This is when everyone just goes like, ooh, bone marrow donation, oh gosh. Um, we do not take it out of the back of your spine. We take it out of the back of one hip bone. So uh, we knock you out with general anesthesia so you don't feel anything. You've probably seen all those TV shows or episodes where um, they're just taking out the back of your spine. It's super painful, you have to be conscious for it. But no, when you donate your bone marrow, um, it's only out of the back of one hip bone, and you donate about 500 milliliters of bone marrow and blood and stem cells. Um, 
some of the risks involved is that you will feel a little nauseous from the general anesthesia. Uh, there's obviously a risk of infection at the site of the, of the extraction. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is that your body will feel sore after a couple days. It'll feel like you slipped on ice, it'll feel like you worked out too hard, you did the ground's grind. Um, but otherwise, like it's, it's, it's only 10 to 20% of procedures are done this way. Um, and usually for uh, high-risk patients or for children. So I usually do the guilt trip with like, if your granddaughter or your, or your little brother, would you donate your bone marrow to them? This is going to be someone else's brother. How long does that process do? This takes 45 minutes. 45 minutes or so. And it's obviously all done uh, by a doctor. Third way, umbilical cord blood donation. I mentioned earlier about our new public uh, cord blood bank. So when you don't, so when you deliver at BC Women's Hospital, it's only BC Women's Hospital, it's not available at any other hospital. Um, when you deliver, your placenta and your cord blood, your umbilical cord are just discarded. No one uses, you know, it's either discarded or if you make that conscious decision to pay for private banking, that's that's totally fine. But for most women, they don't they don't decide to do private banking. It's just thrown away. Um, now we have this option to to donate. Why isn't it automatically done unless you want to have private? It's the same My thing. My daughter did yeah. it, but she had to sign. Yes. Oh, she did it. Okay, amazing. Um, it's just having informed consent. It's just like with organ and tissue donation. I know it's the same thing with organ and tissue donation. It's like it should be. It should be um, just, just yeah, like yeah, just a default that you get it. But we're not there yet. It's just started. I know. It makes you upset. We think of all the think of all the cord blood I can have. All those umbilical cords. It'd be fabulous. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, so, where was I? All right, so when you, yeah, so like I said, the placenta, and the, they're just gonna be thrown away, why not just donate it? And the fact is, instead of us having to chase down donors um, for peripheral blood stem cell donation or bone marrow donation, we have the core blood available right there um, in our facility in Edmonton, which is, which is amazing. Um, it usually takes about two core blood units to save life of an adult, one core blood unit for a child. So if you, have any other women, just like your daughter who donated, um, they can go online at blood.ca and uh, look for cord blood requirements. Okay, so as I mentioned before, we are right now looking, so our ideal donor, our ideal donor is men, 17 to 35 years old, and ethnically diverse. Why men? Why men, exactly. Um, and of course, I don't know if I have that slide in. Why men? Okay, here we go. So why men? Um, so the reason why we're looking for men, I'm a feminist. I am all about female equality to men, and you know, it's like it's like why wouldn't you take women? Just genetic, just biologically, we are made up. We are made up different. We have um, like when we get pregnant, where bodies develop um, antibodies that don't necessarily relate well to the patient. Men have a, they're bigger than us ladies, they have a higher stem, you have a higher stem cell um, count in stem cell volume than we do. You can donate more stem cells than us ladies. Um, there's also less risk of graft versus host disease. There's less risk of rejection from the patient um, because, because you don't have the same antibodies that us ladies do. I think, so right now, the reason why we're looking for younger, younger, a younger demographic, 17 to 35, is because, and technically, young men who are 21 years old 
are the most called upon um, by our one match um, by our one match staff. And I know one match sounds like a dating service. It's not something I wish I could choose a different name. Um, but yeah, but technically it's young men uh, 21 years old. They have the highest stem cell volume. They're at the peak of their um, physical health. But I tell women, I'm like, look, like, if you are, like we still encourage women to register just in case, but to bring a guy friend along with them too. Um, women are still called, but I think it's one of those things that was between my, myself or my older, or my younger brother, um, they would be choosing my younger brother. That's just, one, that, that's just what doctors are looking for right now. Um, and what ends up, and what I was mentioning before in terms of ethnicity, why we're looking for ethnically diverse men, is because, um, as I mentioned before, that Nancy, that Nancy Taylor woman who's half, who's Dutch Indonesian, she'd have to find a match with someone else who's Dutch Indonesian. It's relating to ethnicity. I'm Chinese. If I was a patient, I would have to find another match, um, if not my brother, from another Chinese patient. Someone who's half, who's someone who is sorry, I'm studying the way the people. Um, someone who is half white. Have, um, half Caucasian, half, half uh, Indonesian, or half Chinese would, have, would be most likely to find a match from someone else who is that. We all know that Canada is not, um, our registry right now is composed of 70% Caucasian. That means that the rest, that 30% of our registry is, is um, visibly ethnic people. We're trying to really increase that because that's not Canada. That's not, that's something not Vancouver. <laughs> Um, so when you have, so on our, it's on our stem cells, it's, um, we have these H, we have these, we have what's called human leukocyte antigen marking. So it's located outside of our white blood cells. Um, and like I said, it's essentially matched, uh, to your ethnicity. So then they try to get an eight out of 10 match or nine out of 10 match, 10 out of 10 match to really make sure that that's a good match. Um, but for cord blood, I think it's like six, you can, it's out of eight. So you can have like six out of eight match. It's a little more flexible. So, as I meant, so here we go. Men, 17 to 35 years old, only make up 12% of our registry. You can see how many women we have on the registry, which is insane. Um, we had someone who was, I think, 40 years old, and she was just like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna be out for a little while. It's, you know, I don't know. It's kind of inconvenient, but it's like when we said to her, we're like, "Look, like you were the only person's match to don't. You know, you were. There was no one else in the registry." She was like, "Wow, that's amazing." You know, to imagine that you're the only person in the world who's a match for that for that patient. Um, we have people donating stem cells in Germany to Canadian patients, the UK to Canadian patients, and vice versa. Um, like I mentioned, 70% of our registry is Caucasian. We're really trying to increase the Chinese component and the South Asian component as well. Okay, I sped through that. Um, all right, so. Oh. <laughs> if we haven't started the yet. Well, maybe I'll go to the I'll go to the question thing in a second. All right, so I'm just going to wrap it up a little bit before our question period. Um, I, yeah, no problem. So I'm just going to wrap it up uh, before our question period. So just to summarize, um, for stem cell, for stem cell, for registering as a potential stem cell donor, you're not so by registering for one match, you're not. I want to stress that you're just going to be on the registry. You're going to be there just in case someone's a match for you, or just in case you're a match for a patient. 
Um, some people are on the registry their entire life. Um, you're on the registry until you're 60 years old, but um, you know, without ever being called. I know this one Filipino 17-year-old who registered, he was called within two months. That just meant that there was a patient out there who was Filipino as well that was looking for a match. And as soon as they saw him on the registry, they're like, perfect, can you, would you want to save the life of someone else? Um, I also want to stress that age requirement is quite firm, 17 to 35 years old, with a focus on men. Um, so I don't know if some of you are able to register. If you can, that's great. If you can't, you know, we encourage you to donate blood or help on other ways or be advocates for us. Um, and again, like that's the hard thing about Canadian blood services and donating blood is that it's hard not to feel like it's it's not you. But I just want to really enforce that if you are able to donate, if you can, if you can, if you are that 50% who's able to donate blood, who is able to be on the intercom, to be on the one match registry, to do so or to encourage someone else to. All right, so we're good, Ian. We can wrap it up. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you.